Sup, Dad? Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning genres and fandoms. I'm your host, Jason, and on today's episode, we're catching up on my current reads and chatting with Star Wars author George Mann. What is going on, my fandom friends? I hope everyone is doing well out there. On a personal note, I have recently started a new full-time job, so that has been just kind of taking up all of my mental space, but that does not mean that I have not still created space and time for books and reading, and so I'm excited to be here with another episode, and really excited because I am joined by another Star Wars author, George Mann. He and I were able to chat recently and talked a lot about just kind of the variety of books and publications that he writes in Star Wars, some of his stuff he does outside of Star Wars, and to my surprise and delight, our mutual love of tabletop games. So that is coming up a little bit later. But before we do that, I want to jump into my last current next. So the last book I read was Dark Age by Pierce Brown, the final book of my Red Rising reread journey in the lead up to Lightbringer, which is coming out July 25th. This was my first time reading Dark Age, and it was as brutal and as heartbreaking as I remember. Um, this book will, this book is aptly named. It is dark and bleak, and I will not say any spoilers because I know there's still a lot of people who have not jumped into this saga. And again, I will continue to bang the Red Rising drum. If you have not read Red Rising yet, please do so. It is amazing. All of my Star Wars friends out there, I know that there's always a lot on our plates, catching up on books, keeping up with comics. But if you ever have a spare moment and need something else to do, or you need a little Star Wars break, the Red Rising saga, it's amazing. So Dark Age is book five. Um, I finished my reread of that, gave myself two whole weeks, which is, like I said before, not the norm for me. <laughs> but um, it's a long book. It's like 700 something pages. So I'm really glad that I gave myself more time to do that. Um, it was really good. It was crazy. I know a lot of people in the Red Rising community like to rank the books in order of their what they like, so I thought I would do that now since I've finished um, the five that are currently published. So my number one book in the Red Rising series is Morning Star. That was my favorite book when I read it, and it continues to be my favorite out of all five of them so far. My second favorite is Iron Gold. I really liked the POV switch up, and I've read that one the most out of all of them. I've read that book three times, and after the third time, I really just my love for it was solidified. Um, it's it's one of my favorites. Um, and hear me say, uh, just because these are ranked, that does not mean that in any of these books, I think, are lower than another or less quality. It's purely just kind of my own enjoyment factor. So my third favorite is Red Rising, the first book. I think that holds just a special place in my heart. It's the beginning of the saga. It will definitely pull you in. I was drawn in immediately, and that just has like a special place in my heart. My fourth is Dark Age, and my fifth is Golden Sun. So um, that actually is a great segue into my current read. The current book I am reading is Lightbringer, the sixth book in the Red Rising saga. Um, it is coming out, like I said, July 25th. I was stoked to be able to get an early release copy. Um, and I am almost halfway done with that right now. So it remains to be seen where um, Lightbringer will fall in my overall ranking of Red Rising books. But if the book continues to be what it is, it will be very up there. It 
definitely has a shot at the number one spot. It's hovering around number two right now. Um, obviously no spoilers and I can't even say anything. There's embargoes and everything like that, but I am enjoying it a lot. <laughs> um, it is at par for the course in terms of just epic Pierce Brown writing, character development, emotions, heart. I honestly don't want to put it down. I gave myself two weeks to read this book as well, but I think I'm going to finish it faster because it's one of those books and you readers out there, you know, you know that feeling when you don't want to do anything else but read that book and engage with those characters. That's what I'm that's where it's at with Lightbringer for me right now. So um stoked to finish that and I will have my review written and ready um, for when the book gets published in a couple months. The next book I am reading, jumping back into Star Wars, once again, I recently received the next Star Wars book that's coming out July 18th. It is Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah Dawson. Now, I'm a huge fan of Delilah Dawson's writing. Um, her Star Wars books are some of my favorite in the new canon. Phasma is really fun and cool and blew me out of the water and really surprised me with how much I loved that book. I was able to chat with her um, at Star Wars Celebration and told her as much. I think Phasma would make an awesome like limited Disney Plus series. It's so good. So I'm a huge fan of her style and of her writing, so I cannot wait to dive into that book. I don't know a lot about it. Obviously, it's about an Inquisitor, but I... Like I said, I've taken a tiny Star Wars break. There has been a little bit of a um, gap in between publications, which is totally fine with me, but I'm excited to read Rise of the Red Blade and share my thoughts with all of you guys in the very near future. KC78, are you as excited as I am about my next guest? <laughs> I figured as much. He is a Star Wars author who has written everything from comic books to novels, and he has a number of books in the lineup of Phase 3 of the High Republic starting off this fall. It is none other than George Mann joining me today on This Dad Reads. Welcome to the show, George. Hi, thanks for having me. Definitely so glad to have another Star Wars author here on the show. It's always a good time. Always fun to be here and, and chat. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm excited to just talk all things, you know, Star Wars and get to know you a little bit more. Sure, yeah. I mean, who doesn't like talking about Star Wars at the end of the day with a cup of tea? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So to start off, can you just tell a little bit, uh, tell me a little bit about the story of you being just exposed to and loving the Star Wars franchise? What was your, what's your history on that? Yeah, so I I think, it. Um, I was quite young, but I think my first kind of interaction with Star Wars was with Empire Strikes Back at the theatres, the movie theatres. Um, my um, granddad um, used to take me to see lots of films. Um, and um, we kind of, I remember watching like The Dark Crystal with him, um, like the yes. Search for Spock. Um, uh, you know, stick, those two stick very clearly in my memory, but so does um, Empire Strikes Back. So I, I can't have been kind of more than like four or five. Um, and... The thing that really jumped out at me was, apart from the spectacle of it all, the you know the big spaceships and Darth Vader, was R two D two. I became obsessed with R two D two, and it started a, kind of a love affair with Star Wars that that has lasted obviously in, in, into um, kind of my entire life. Um, and from there, it was it became kind of like getting the comic books. Um, we used to get UK. I imagine Kevin's been on here and I'm wax lyrical about this, but we used to get Marvel UK used to reprint the comic books 
um, from the original Marvel US editions. So we would get them over here in, in, a, in a like at a time when we weren't getting a lot of Marvel comics. We were kind of getting just reprints. Um, we, we didn't get imports, um, but that was kind of a way of continuing Star Wars for me before I ever discovered the novels. Actually, it was you know, comics, um, but the action figures as well. I, you know, I. I just accumulated loads of the action figures. Um, used to like play around the back of the sofa with my cousin, making up stories, um, having a whale of a time. I had it, I'm after full Ewok village and the Rancor. I wish I still had them. They've all gone now. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so kind of, and then the sticker books as well. That's something I I remember bonding with my dad over the like. I don't know. Do you get do you get these like um, sticker books in the in the states like Panini or Merlin, where you um, like football stickers? I guess um we yeah we had star wars ones and um i remember like my dad me and my dad really got into collecting the star wars ones um probably around the probably for return of the jedi if i if i work out the the timings mm -hmm. but i remember him like coming home with the entire box of um a, a sticker the you know, and sitting spending the whole evening like trying to fill oh. in all the gaps in the sticker book um so that was very cool um so yeah so it's it's it was a massive part of my childhood um, Star Wars, and that, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, but we were talking a little bit about um, families and things before we came on air, and one of the, the, the great things about it is I've then been able to go through that same process with my own kids and share it with uh, particularly my eldest, James. Um, so, um, so you know, we can probably touch on that a bit later. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to mention those sticker books. That is a very core memory of my childhood as well. Like, not necessarily Star Wars, um, but like Disney or like every movie that would come out. Um, I remember yeah. my cousin, my cousin too, like every time his mom would go to the store, she'd get just like a new pack. Um, and I remember you could mail away. I never was able to complete a book. Like that was always like, there. We, you know, you would start so we would like start so big and then it would just kind of like fade away after a while. And I know you yeah. could like, I remember being able to mail away to like say the ones you needed, but we just never got to that point. So did you ever finish an, a whole book? I did with, uh, with the return of the Jedi one. With yeah. It? I, um, okay. It was, it was the same thing. It was like exactly what you said. You could, I think you could send away for like the last 12. You couldn't mm -hmm. go any more than that. So okay. I think we got to the point where we kind of needed those and we did complete yeah. the book, but do you still have probably those? the only one I've ever completed. Okay. I don't have it in Freight anymore, oh. no. Like, oh my gosh. No, most like most of my my you know, childhood stuff like that's long gone unfortunately. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I I don't know if you guys have well, I mean, there's like dollar stores here, but there's a, a dollar store here where I was recently there and they still make them. Those sticker books still exist. And I didn't know they were still made. I thought that was just like a relic of the nineties or the eighties, but they still exist. And so I was trying to, you know, it's one of those things like I was trying to tell my kids, like, oh my gosh, look, like and they were just like, We don't know what this is. Like, what is this? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was funny. I have I love that. And that that kind of speaks to that collector like um the, the thrill of the hunt right like trying to like you know, yeah. always wanting to buy a pack yeah. and yeah i yeah i have a i, I the, the completest gene unfortunately so it's like this is yeah. I, I if, if i start collecting something i, I kind of go all in so i have to be really careful about like what am i going to collect and what am mm -hmm. i not going to collect mm -hmm. um I, I, it's, it's just a like a little thing that's like a switch that goes on my head it's like right now you know Star Wars books, for example, it's like I'm trying to get all the canon Star Wars novels in hardcover. I don't have okay. them all, but some of them in softcover. And it's like, 
some yeah. of them are quite hard to, to come across these yeah, days. They are. Um, um, yeah, you so, and my yeah, cousin so are very similar in that regard. <laughs> Same thing. Like, if once the trigger gets switched, it's like eBay, anything, any means necessary to like find the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a dangerous, dangerous path. It really is. It really is. We'll talk. Um, I think we're both tabletop game fans. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you yeah. mentioned kids. Like, I have an eight year old and a five year old, and a, a lot of my Star Wars history is steeped in nostalgia as well. And what I really struggle with is trying to like impart. Like my, I I know that there's things that they'll enjoy, but it's so hard as a parent to like, you want to introduce them to something, but let them find their own path. So what did that yeah. kind of journey look like to you as a father, you know, throughout the generations? I know you're in a different, you know, kind of stage of life with your kids, but what did that look like, I guess, when they were little? And how does that look now when they're like older? Yeah. So with, so with my elder, take my eldest first, because he's the biggest Star Wars fan of the two. So I have um, James, who's 19, and Elliot, who's 14. Um, James, it was, it's all about the prequel era and he wasn't around. For, I mean, I, he was born in 2003, so he missed the, the kind of the theater versions of the, the, mm-hmm. the movies, but it was Clone Wars that got him into it because I think, and I think he'd like, he'd found it himself actually. And he'd come okay. to, he'd come to Clone Wars. I think he'd just been watching. I don't know whether it was on one of the, like the TV networks over here. Um, he'd seen some episodes and, I'm, I'm trying I must he must have been like seven eight something like that mm-hmm. and he was like what's this dad and I was like what's this this is Star Wars let's, <laughs> let's talk Star Wars so we um I introduced him to the he, he wanted to watch some movies but we and we did watch the original movies but we also watched the prequel movies and he he really wanted to watch the prequel movies because it had the characters he'd been seeing on the screen with you know Obi-Wan and mm. Anakin you know and um for him they were the ones who really kind of it got sucked into the prequel era. Um, so you know, Star Wars toys started to appear, Star Wars kids books, um, you know, um, and we watched the entirety of the Clone Wars um, together, which was a brilliant experience. Just like every day, let's watch an episode before bedtime. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we burned our way through all of those, um, and then through Rebels when Rebels landed, um, and. You know that's continued to like Mandalorian. Um, mm. Like he he went through a little phase where he kind of kind of went right. I think I'm probably done with Star Wars now. He's like you know I suppose he's reached that age. He's like I've discovered beer and girls, um, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he went away to university and then he came back and was like, you know what, I really want to watch Andor and Obi Wan and you know and I was like. Great, let's do it. Let's do it while you're on on your your break from uni. So we we did we went back into that routine. Let's just watch an episode a day, and he oh, was straight awesome. back into it. Um, so and and in a different way, you know, because he's now got a an like a young adult's perspective on on things. Mm. So he's it's a different discussion. It's not about like how cool is that lightsaber? Look at how that you know that character's just beaten the bad guys. It becomes much more of like the sort of conversation that maybe you and I would have, or me me and mm-hmm. you know one of my mates would have. Um, about you know the subtext and the politics, and you know, it was, it was one of the great things about Andor. He was like really getting under the hood of like, well, what does it mean to be a rebel? And you know, really interesting for a, a, a young man of nineteen twenty who's stuck taking his first steps into in, an interest in politics um, to be able to kind of see Star Wars through that lens, uh, mm-hmm. and for me to be able to kind of watch that and talk to him about that. It's been fascinating. Um, my youngest, Elliot. Um, has, has hasn't embraced Star Wars in quite the same way. Um, 
he's interested. He, he kind of knows what's going on. He knows who all the characters are. Um, and actually, the way that he's come into it more than anything is through reading the stuff that I'm writing, um, which has been great because, you know, with um, Quest for the Hidden City, it was a middle grade novel, um, you know, written a couple of years ago now. Um, and he was a bit younger. So he was, you know, just at the top end of the target audience. I was like, will you read this for me and give me, because he's a big reader, will you read mm. this for me and give me some feedback, you know, before I send it in? And he was like, yeah, great. Um, so that was how he kind of got more into Star Wars because he's been reading things and giving me feedback, um, which is, a, you know, a, a lovely thing to be able to share. That's awesome. He was your beta reader. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You don't, and you don't even have to pay him, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's always a cost. <laughs> There's always a cost. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you mentioned it a little bit, and I, th- this kind of leads into my next question. And um, what was your journey to being a published author in the Star Wars universe? I know that maybe you can kind of go back into your professional history and like kind of what led you to a being an author and then kind of getting into the Star Wars world. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think it's scary to say that I've been a professional right now for 23 years. Um, but, um, I mean, I've always wanted to write always, always. Mm. And when I was a kid, I, I didn't really know that I wanted to be a, a, like a novelist or, you know, comic book writer or anything like, but I knew I wanted to tell stories and be surrounded by books. And, um, so I, I wrote a lot as a kid. I used to make like little picture books, um, folded together piece of paper with little drawings about some of my favorite characters and stuff, early fanfic, you know, like, like we all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I then, I think, like, so we do in the UK, we tend to, like, at the age, age of about 14, we do, like, a school work placement for two weeks, so you can get a little taste of, like, the working life, and I, I managed to get a work placement in a bookstore, um, mainly because it was like, I might get a discount on buying some books, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it worked, um, but what happened is at the end of that process, they were like, I just, I spent two weeks just putting stock out on, but I, I knew about books and I mm. think that must've come across because they offered me a, like a weekend job. Um, so I, I took it, um, and then started working in this bookstore, um, and being surrounded by books. And then I did that all through college. Um, and then kind of started doing it full time. Um, was writing at the same time as that made some kind of little inroads into getting some small press, some science fiction stories published, um, drawing on a lot of kind of all, all the things I love, you know, as well as Star Wars, like Hammer Horror, um, Doctor Who, um, kind of Sherlock Holmes, you know, lots of, lots of kind of key influences. And um, I, from there, I managed to get a job in publishing. So I kind of went from working in bookstores to working for, for a publisher with um, Black Library and the Warhammer novels. Um, so I spent a long time um working in that team and then eventually running that team and running that business and seeing how publishing worked from the other side. But all the while I was still writing and I, I kind of reached a point in about 2015 where my, um, my writing career was, was growing and growing, and growing. And I, and I was, re- you know, I was turning away writing opportunities cause I had a full-time job mm. and you know, you know, I had a, a brilliant conversation with a friend and, and, with my wife and kind of like, what am I doing? This is, this is the dream. This is the dream. I've got to chase the dream. And I, you know, I'd spent 15 years as a published writer, not pursuing it full time. 
Um, and at this point, I kind of like, if I'm ever going to give it a try, it's now because I'm, you know, yeah. the, the work's there. And I, I just had a very successful Doctor Who novel. And um, I was writing my own original fiction as well. Um, so I did it, I took the plunge. And it was kind of around that time, 2015, 2016. Me and my friend Kevin Scott, who I'm sure you know and have had on the, the show before, um, I decided we were going to start trying to break into comic writing as well because me and Kev have been friends for a long time, and um, and decided to go to San Diego Comic Con. And um, Kev was already writing the Wild Space books for Star Wars through okay. a UK mm-hmm. publisher, uh, so he'd he'd uh, got to know Mike Siglain, um a little bit, and um, we'd gone out there and. You know, we didn't really know that many people, but we were starting to kind of make inroads, talk to publishers, and we ended up having a, a few drinks with Michael Siglain one night in in the hotel bar. Um, just you know, a very casual, not a work related thing, just a you know, yeah. um, social drink, um, bonding over all those shared things I talked about before, Hammer Horror and Sherlock Holmes, and you know, realizing we had a lot in common in our, in our interests. And around that time, I think it must have been 20, 2017, actually, I had a book called Witchwood that I'd just written, which is a um, an original novel. It's a cri- it's kind of a, a crime mystery novel, but with a supernatural element to it. And it's got this kind of fictional folklore running through it. Um, and um, we kind of, me and Mike exchanged Twitter, you know, followed him, he followed me, kind of left it at that. Um, then... A few months later, I was going to New York Comic Con, and um, I got a message from Mike Sclain saying, "Oh, can you come out for a drink?" And I still thought, "Oh, it's going to be a nice, another nice social night out," and it, and it was. But he, at one point, he kind of pulled me to one side. And he said, oh, "I bought, I bought your book, Witchwood. I saw it, saw it through Twitter, and I bought it, and I really enjoyed it." And I want to ask you a question. So, did all that um, that folklore in the book was? Did you make it up, or was that based on kind of? historical stuff and I said oh no I made it all up and he went oh great do you want to do the same for Star Wars <laughs> I said, yes Whoa. please yes, yes. please I nearly oh, dropped my drink yeah. um, and that's where Myths and Fables had come from so he'd okay. he'd read Witchwood and he'd had this idea of kind of doing a book with with fictional kind of folklore type stories bedtime stories Grimm's fairy tale mm-hmm. type stories um, in it and kind of put put me and the book together Um and that was that was the kind of the beginning of my kind of Star Wars writing career. Um, so I, you know, thank thanks to Mike for that. Um, and also, you know, I'm so pleased he read Witchwood because that's that's what led to it all. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, we had so much fun writing those myths and fables books, that and Dark Legends. Um, yes. You know, and the the reason Dark Legends exists is because I kind of had to come up with story pitches for myths and fables. And I just wrote too many. <laughs> I mean, so like, I just like it is. I think I went in with like twenty-five story ideas for a book that needed ten. You know, and yeah. like quite a lot of them were quite dark. And you know, um, at the end of the the first meeting, Mike said, "This is great. We're going to do a Halloween book. Keep keep these ideas for the Halloween book." And that's that's how that happened. Um, that's awesome. So very cool so what i hear you saying is if you want to get into the star wars publishing world you need to get mike siglain drunk (laughs) i wouldn't say that at all (laughs) 
Oh man, that's awesome though. I mean, that's like the epic amount of payoff for like something. You know, a lot of Star Wars fans out there do stuff as a side hustle and they're just doing stuff for fun. And obviously, you that was a tons of work that went into that and like focusing on you know a, a hobby as like a something that you're passionate about and doing on the side and then taking that leap. That that's an amazing like inspirational story to hear. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, and I think you know the the the, the genuine answer to to the kind of how to get into Star Wars is is actually to to go and write your own stuff first mm-hmm. because Star Wars is mm-hmm. an invite thing, and um and what what actually happens is those the editorial team on Star Wars are very keenly aware of what else is going on in the market, who's writing what, because they want to match up authors and invite them in if they if they find an author who they think will be a good fit, particularly sure. with either with a particular project in mind or a particular story thread in mind, so. Um, so that's what I actually genuinely say to people who say, you know, how do I get into Star Wars writing? It's like, put stuff out there. Yeah. Write. Show yeah. show the world that you've got stories to tell, um, original stories to tell. Um, and that's it's 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 kind of like a, a weird loop. It's like you can be massively inspired by Star Wars, go and do something original, and that, that leads back to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> very cool way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned part of your um, career involved being uh, ha- being in the Warhammer world. And um, like you said, before we were on air, we were talking about our mutual love for tabletop games. So um, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what is your um, what are some of your favorite games to play? And how does that kind of um, inspire what you do on the writing side? Um, so I, I tend to play um, like... I don't play as much as I used to, particularly because my 19-year-old James is away at university and he's like my okay. gaming buddy. Um, but we love like little skirmish miniatures games. Um, there's, a, there's a fantastic little game called Rangers of Shadow Deep, which is like a miniatures okay. agnostic game where you put together this little band of rangers um, and it's co-op. So like it's you and you and whoever else you're playing with against the game. Um, so okay. you've got wandering monsters and missions and stuff and you just need like a little three by three gaming table, kitchen table, some scenery. And you go and play these missions and you kind of level up your ranges as you go through it. It's a, it's a game I absolutely love. Another game I play very regularly um, is a fantasy flight game called Arkham Horror, the car game. Um, absolutely love that that game. It's it's so cool. It's such a great, like, you build a deck um, and you, you go in, on investigation. And you have, there's like... Um, a series of missions you can do a campaign over like 10 investigations and it's okay. like one big linking story and your character goes through assuming they don't die um <laughs> so i've got a couple of friends who i um i regularly get together with and, and play that stuff um but the other thing that i do is i uh, i collect role-playing games um and i don't often get a chance to play i used to play a lot when i was a kid i don't often get a chance to play these days um, but I love immersing myself in the worlds that have been created and, and reading the books. Um, and um, that's one of the, it's, it's similar to the way I love Star Wars, actually. It's like the D&D, you know, the Forgotten Realms and D&D. Um, there's so much cool material and so many cool stories to delve into. I, I love kind of opening up those gazetteers and looking at the maps and different, you know, non-player characters that people have come up with and, and kind of the, the stories that weave through decades of storytelling there's, there are there aren't that many when you really actually look at it there aren't that many kind of universes out there that have that breadth and depth of like that of that you know, going back to the 70s to the present day um you know uh, star wars is one of those universes it's like everyone who writes 
contributes to that world and it builds and builds and builds and builds. D&D is very similar. You know, a couple of those core settings in D&D are the same. Um, so um, it, I suppose it gives me a similar similar thrill um, to kind of to fall into those worlds. Um, and one of the things that's nice about the, about the D&D side of it is um, kind of I don't write in those worlds. So it's mm. just it's just a fun thing, it's, you know, to explore. Um, you know, Star Wars, I absolutely adore, obviously. Um, but it is also, like, sometimes I have to sit and read stuff for, for work to do actual research that I'm going to put into a story, you know. Um, or, you know, you have a tough day working on a book, and you're like, oh, right. And, and actually, you know, on those days, the last thing you want to do is go, all right, now I'm going to go and relax with some more Star Wars. <laughs> it's like you know, and those don't, don't get me wrong; yeah. they don't happen very often. Because sure, you know, sure. I'm very, very honoured. It's like it's it's a dream job, and I'm not going to pretend it's not. But it's still work sometimes, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So D and D is a bit of escapism. Um, so that's that's awesome. That and you know, um, I'm trying to think what else. I, I've I've got a lot of Warhammer stuff. I used to obviously work for Games Workshop, so uh, I mentioned earlier. So um, I've got a whole kind of attic full of. Games Workshop models. Um, some of them, you know, it's, I've got like the the grey boxes of shame, which are like sprues that'll <laughs> never get turned into anything. <laughs> but um, I'm very I'm very keen to lay my hands on a copy of Star Wars Shatterpoint because that's that's the sort of like little miniatures game that I like, where you don't have to have a whole army. You just yeah. put together a little band of characters, sure, and you can go for it um and, and and have a kind of game over a couple of hours so um love it so that's that's going to be a purchase very soon when it comes out that's awesome well george next time you're in california i would love to invite you out for a game night at my house i often oh, yeah, have my cool. brother-in-law my cousin like we are game people so um I, i've been loving well, the star wars yeah. deck building game from fantasy fly it's really one-to-one so maybe that could just be like two of us but then i know that star wars unlimited just got announced the new like collectible card game yeah. which oh they know what they're doing with that one like, <laughs> collectors i'm nervous like <laughs> very yeah, nervous too. oh I man I was all in on Destiny, Star Wars Destiny. Yes, I, I've, I've same. Still, I mean, I've still got all my decks that I, I built. Me um, too. But it's me funny too. how when I, when I yeah, I used to love playing that game. But it's funny for me how when I when a when a game stops, a game like that, a TCG, so like I it lo- I kind of lose momentum in, want, in wanting mm. to play it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because um, what one of the things I enjoy about it is like, oh look, there's some new cards. How are they going to change yes. the game? Yes. Um, and, you know, so so yeah. kind of start there. So I'm 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 really keen to see what they're going to do with Star Wars Unlimited and, and yeah, how works. same. Yep, same thing with um, the Lorcana from Disney coming up. Like I and like my perspective as a tabletop game fan has definitely changed as I've ha- become you know a parent and you know raising young kids. It's like time is like one of the biggest things that you know it's it's so hard. And to me, um, I I don't man, I love just playing games. I just want to sit down and play. Like I don't want to I don't want to have to spend a ton of time setting up or thinking through a deck or like making sure do I have the right do I have the best card do I have is this gonna like is this the best deck to make i just want to sit and play so i'm really hoping with i was just messaging my cousin yesterday like he was like hey F- fantasy flight announced a new star wars tcg and i was like oh no like this is <laughs> this is awesome because i'm gonna want it but i it's so hard so i'm really hoping they introduce some play version i mean obviously there's always drafts and stuff like that but you know money and time are the two things as an adult you're just like always in in need of so yeah. like i'm really i'm like i'm excited to dive in but like i have to be like you said like i have my limits i have to know 
here's what I can do. And I hope that I can still enjoy it and play it and, you know, feel like I'm having a good time. So. Well, I shall keep my fingers crossed and, you know, let's, um, let's keep talking because I'm planning let's to check do. it out as well. Yes, One of the definitely. things that I found really, really useful with Destiny was looking up other people's decks and going, right, yes. okay, that sounds like something I want to play. I'll get, I'll put that deck together rather than having to try and figure out my own combos. It's like, I'm going to play right. that deck. I know. Yeah. And some people just have the gift for like, oh, here, I have this epic deck idea. And I'm like, that's not my gift. Like, I just want to, I just want to <laughs> open it and go. I just want to open it and go. Anyway, well, I could talk about tabletop <laughs> games for forever. But um, you you answered, you t- started talking about the kind of variety of um, media and books that you've written in your, in, in your previous answer. But you've written pre- uh, some really diverse offerings in the Star Wars world, like from young reader books to kind of those anthology books to comic books. Um especially in the High Republic, I'm going to start talking about High Republic um, specifically. Um, what's been your experience overall so far in writing all those different types of books in this kind of publishing initiative? It's, I mean, it's been fantastic. And it's actually, in, until you you kind of, you asked the question, I hadn't really thought about the breadth of formats that I have written for the High Republic, but there's, there's the picture flats, there's the, um, the short stories, audio, comics, middle grade novel, um, Obviously, you know it's been announced. I'm now writing the the, the first adult novel of Phase Three yes. as well, yeah, um, and and the YA the second YA book. So I'm trying. I, I'm actually covering all the bases. Yeah, um, amazing, I think you get you know, a special that, like badge or something. Like <laughs> actually, <laughs> I'm a badge. you're right. I, I might make one for myself. There you um, go. <laughs> but it's been. I mean, it's been a brilliant experience. It's like so. It's you know the the story. I pick up the story thread from earlier. Actually, what what. The way it, it it started was with um, Dark Legends, because um, in the process of writing that book, we were having lots of conversations about you know we wanted to do a story that tied in with Rise of Skywalker and Exegol. Um, so having that conversation, and, and then Mike said, "I really want you to do a story about the Drengir, which are going to be this you know thing in in the High Republic. Um, you know, so what I'm going to do." It's, I'm going to send you all the information on the High Republic on, on what we're doing with Phase One, and um, you know, get you to you know, read it, absorb it, pitch me a story idea for the Drengir. Um, cool. Okay. So you know, signing lots of NDAs. Um, yes. <laughs> this, you know all this stuff that the the original kind of five architects had put together for Phase One, and um, and 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 wrote the Drengir story that's in the Target Special Edition. So that was good. my first kind of thing. But it actually turned out to be, the, I think, the first published piece of High Republic fiction, um, which is crazy. That's um, a badge in and of it, itself. Like, that's another badge, know, yeah. George. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, so Light the Jedi came out, managed to get hold of a, um, a kind of an early reading copy of that, and I just kept reading the stuff that the, that the team were writing because I'd, kind of, I'd been given this access. And, and Mike had been encouraging me to just keep reading. And, I, and obviously it turned out he had a bit of a plan because when, um, I think it was with Cav's book, The Rising Storm, he said, will you do the pitch flat that goes alongside it with, about Burry? I was like, yeah, of course I will. That's, you know, write a book for kids. That's, that's brilliant. It comes with stickers. I mean, you know. Right. Um, so um, so in phase one, I then wrote those two um, sticker books uh, as well. And um, it, was, it was kind of towards the end of, of um, phase one, um, I having a conversation with Mike and he said, I, I really want to bring you in as a full writer for phase two. Um, so, which was amazing, you know, um, over drinks and, again. Was that? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> after drinks <laughs> it was it, it was when we'd been t- we, we'd got together at a convention i mean that's when I kind of i, I tend my i tend to see mike you know because yes boy, we intersect. we obviously we talk a lot but we tend to intersect and, and have kind of good chats um it was at a convention he, he, he brought it up and then there was a bit of a wait and while well, he got his ducks in a row and they worked out what they were doing with phase two and then he came to me and said right we'd like you to write the, the the first middle grade of phase two um and then things just kind of ballooned from there. I mean, I, I was having you know a whale of a time, and um, there was the opportunity to write the Battle of Jeddah, which of course, you know, I'd, I'd written audio. And again, this is a this goes back to that thing I was saying earlier about like the more you've done before you come to Star Wars, mm. the more people can see. Because I'd written Doctor Who audios, I'd written Sherlock Holmes audios, I'd written original audios. So when Mike kind of looks at this is my writing pool on the, my writing team on the High Republic. It's like, oh, George knows audio. Okay, here's a guy who could write an audio book for us. So that's why those things tend to happen that way. Um, I'd already I'd written comics, so I had the opportunity to, you know, to write the um, the second, the, the follow-up to um, Cavs Tyoric, um, yeah. graphic novel. Um, and then, yeah, and then Insider as well, because we wanted to do something that tied with the Battle of Jeddah. So it seemed a logical thing to be able to kind of go, oh, let's just continue with those characters. Um, you're like an editor's so dream, basically, George. You're like, an, <laughs> you can do everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I try, but I, I think the um, what was nice about it is it meant I had with phase two particularly there, I had kind of fingers in lots of pies, which meant I was in lots of conversations with people, mm. and it really benefited me as a writer to be able to interact with all the other writers on the team and talk about what they were doing and how I could make what I was doing tying more closely to them. Um, particularly with Battle of Jeddah, which was kind of like this linchpin moment in phase two, um, where, you know, I was picking up threads from what Zoraida had written. I was picking up threads from what Justina and Tessa had written, mm-hmm. I was picking up threads from what I'd written in the, um, the middle grade. I was running concurrently with what Cav was doing in the comic. And I was running concurrently with what I was doing in the insider stories. And then I also had to get characters to the point where they were ready for Lydia to pick up, for Cav mm-hmm. to pick up for the YA, and for Tessa to pick up for the middle grade. So it was kind of like this weird kind of like um, kind of diagram, like mind map of all these connecting <laughs> bits of tissue, trying to preserve this story in the middle and, and still tell a complete story, but still serve the initiative as a, as a whole. Um, and because I because I was working on those other elements. I think that really helped because I was able to kind of go, okay, right, well, I can do some of that myself. I can I can put that connective tissue into these stories mm-hmm. and here and here and here and, and, and start threads that I'm going to pick up here. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's. I kind of feel like I've been a bit of a spider in, the, in a web, <laughs> Write, <laughs> writing with different writing different things with different hands. Um, but it's been a it's been a brilliant experience, and and the the rest of the team they're, they're so great. Um, they're, they're, I'm sure you've 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 met most of them. Um, they're such a great bunch of people, and the original team was so welcoming as well. Like there was there was no question of, you know, who are these people coming in after we've written this this first sure. phase, taking taking on these books. You know, there was none of that. It was all like, guys, we've we've just done this. Let's help. Let let's give you our experience from having done that and bring you in, and you know, uh, and uh, encouraging us to contribute. Yeah. Um, and create within that space. Yeah. Um, and now we're just one big happy team. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, yeah. and it's it's and that's it sounds trite, but it's really true. Yeah. 
Yeah. And little did they know that you had the first High Republic publishing author's badge already. So you were already, you were already in. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't know if that's 100% a fact, but I think it is. Because I, I remember Mike saying, um, saying putting a teaser out to people saying, um, yeah. you know, there's a High Republic story out there at the moment and no one knows. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, so, there, I mean, there's maybe some. You could argue maybe with Dooku, Je- Dooku Jedi Lost. Like, I mean, there's been High exactly. Republic. There's been like teasers out there, but if you're talking real, the first High Republic story, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll call right, it right I mean, here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, Cal got loads of loads of stuff in Dooku, didn't they? they like, no one knew yeah. at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you you mentioned Battle of Jeddah. I was blown away by it. I loved it, and especially now seeing Phase Two kind of like wrapped up, as it were. Like no, it, it was very clearly that linchpin moment, um, and it was really cool. And like an audio drama that I'm not. I've said it before. Audio books are really hard for me. Like to, um, they're hard for me to enjoy because my mind just wanders. I need to be very. I have to absorb a story very differently than when I'm reading a book. But having said that, um. It was, I think it just being an audio drama with that full cast and just the production value, it was so fun. Um, were you able to be a part of any of those recording sessions or were you able to listen to stuff as it was going? Like, what is your perspective as the writer, as they're like producing the finished work on that? So, so not really, no. And, um, but actually I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's like, um, you kind of, a craft craft the story and it's and it's a very different ex- experience to write i mean the creation of the story is is the same as creating any other star wars story mm-hmm. so you you know you're starting from what's what the character journeys through this this story um what what are the the big notes that are going to change people's perspective or change the world because you know, that's the purpose of any story is to show change um so you kind of start from that point but when you get into the the meat of writing the story it's a very different experience because a an audio drama, it's it's a bit like a comic. It's closer to a comic than it is to a novel because mm. you're. It's a very collaborative experience. You're not writing the script for the reader. So with a novel, it's quite personal. It's just you and your editor, um, and you know your editor helps you make the best possible George Mann book that you could, right? And that's what that's what exists at the end. It's a George Mann book that's that's had some advice to help you shape it. Um, what you've got with an audio drama is a whole team behind it. Um, so in the same way, you know, when you write a comic, I always say that you're write, writing the script for the artist, not for the reader, because the mm. only bit that, of your script that survives to the end is the dialogue. Yeah. And the artist is going to put that through their visual artistic filter. And it, audio drama takes that to the nth degree because you're writing a script for um, people to perform. And you might have in your head, right, this line's really sarcastic, and or oh, this character's like um, you know really highfalutin thinks they're the the bee's knees, and then you, the the actor takes it and goes, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring oh, the I don't I don't even know if it's conscious, but the actor brings themselves to that that part, and they they'll probably do it differently from how you had it in your head. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It actually it's that's the actor's job to do. So my my job as a um, as a writer of, of audio drama is to to try and give the actors good material to to interpret. Um, you know, there's that thing of, of writing audio is is that you you're not you can't really describe the action because you don't want you like you're trying to avoid those lines that are like 
look over there, it's a guy with a shield. Oh, oh no, he's pulling a gun. <laughs> like, you want to try and avoid those because that just sounds a bit hokey. So you're trying to find a naturalistic way to, to, to it, through dialogue to bring in, and sound effects that you're suggesting as well, to bring in that environment and that world. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, and it's, it's an interesting experience for me because obviously what happens then is I put those um, scripts in. I got feedback from the usual route, so my editor Tom, the guys at Lucasfilm, but also from the audio drama department who come back with like, we're not sure this scene's going to scan quite right. Can you kind of like Interesting. build okay. it out a little bit more to make it clear what's, gonna, what's going on in the audio? So you kind of do a bit of work to help that, um, to help you know them bring bring it to life, and then it goes off, and you kind of you you don't know how it's going to come back, um, and then it's it's quite astounding actually to kind of to because uh, you can come to it more as a fan, you know, because I love I love experience like experiencing the the other Star Wars projects as a fan and that's mm -hmm. true of like um the other high republic novels you know i kind of know what's going to happen because we've talked it through at a great length and worked out those story beats but actually i love being able to pick up their, their, those books and go how, how do they actually execute it because there's a difference between knowing that this character is going to do x thing and then seeing it happen in a book and it's the same with getting your own story back in audio because you know you don't know how it's going to be performed. You go, mm -hmm. oh, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting that character to sound like that, but I like it, you know. <laughs> um, and how, how did they bring these characters to life, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it makes it a special experience to, you know, to, to come to it later um, and, and hear it brought to life. I bet that's super interesting. And like the, something that I don't think just the regular consumer like would even think about. So that's a really cool perspective. And the way that you described writing comics, like you're writing it for the artist and writing audio drama, you're writing it for the act. That's really interesting. And that, that, that's a really cool just distinction that I don't think a lot of people think about. So that's, that's, and it's something really cool that really... you get to experience it like the end user too sometimes. So. Yeah, no, no, I mean, that's, that's, it never gets old. Um, like the, I, that, like, with, especially with comics, it never gets old when you, you send off your script and you get the pages back. I can imagine. Oh, it's just yeah. like, whoa. Yes. You know, and, you know, the, this, the, the artists we get to work with are really high caliber. They're great artists. Mm -hmm. And you get these pages back and you just think, you know, they've taken an idea I had and they've take like, times it by 10, you know, they've amped it up. Or they've done something really cool and interesting with it. And what I love particularly when you get to do a longer run with a um, an artist and you get to know each other a bit more, you can start writing to their strengths as well. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, an artist will like I did a, a Dark Souls comic book um a few years back and um I got to a point of trust with the artist where I could just kind of go, right, there's a big fight sequence now. Here's a list of five things that have to happen by the end of the fight. Go, go for it <laughs> yeah and, and you know it's really special because you get it back and they could i knew that what he wanted was to be off the leash to be able to do that and like yeah. when you're working on a um a, like an ip a branded product you have to be quite strict and tight about like this is how the story is going to unfold because that's the story that's been approved mm -hmm. so it's like this is the story we've got to tell we've got to tell it this way so most of what you're doing is really like on this page these things have to happen and they have to happen pretty much in this way but then you get these moments where, and it happens a lot with with action sequences as well. It happens with Star Wars, with big fight sequences as well. Where you can go do some cool stuff with lightsabers. 
Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's great. It's great because yeah. the artists, you can tell when you get it back how much fun the artists had. And if the artists yeah. had fun and you're having fun looking at it, it means that the reader's going to have fun. Definitely. And I want to give a special shout out to Eduardo Mayo, who had mm. worked on The Nameless Terror with you. Oh, blown away yeah. by his work. Like, amazing. Yeah. And I love it so much. I, I'm, yeah, I'm super thrilled with the the reception that those comics have, have had so far. They were a lot of fun to write. And, and the team, of the, all of the team, you know, um, from, you know, pencils, inks, colors, they've done an amazing job. Yeah, the High Republic Adventures has been one of my, it's one of my favorite just things that exists in the High Republic in general. And that this miniseries has been, I was looking forward to it, but I wasn't expecting to be as um, entertained and um, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. I love writing Pathfinders. That's that's the truth of it. Yeah. Those, those kind of, that idea of kind of teams out on there on the frontier, having these adventures or, you know, getting stranded or getting into difficult spots really appeals to me. Definitely. Yeah. Very really cool. cool. So I have a two part question for you. What, um, who has been your favorite star star Wars character that you have written? And then who is your dream character in the IP that you would like to write? Um, interesting question. And there's lots and it probably changes from week to week, if I'm honest. Like, um, but I think my, um, my favorite character to write has been Salandra show, I think. Um, and you know, that's that's not just because she's kind of one of my original characters, but it's 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 just it's because I feel like she really um, she's got quite a poignant, powerful stance. You know that that that, that it's not just the shield; it's what the shield symbolizes for, mm. for Salandra. Mm-hmm. You know that idea of like I'd rather be the shield than the sword. Um, our, our job is to defend people, and she takes that to the nth degree. And um, I think that's it's just it's interesting, and uh, it's a it's a a slightly different approach from other Jedi I've written before. Um, you know, obviously all Jedi are there to protect people. That's, that's, that's their main mission. It's just Salandra takes that further. That's, she mm. kind of tries to embody that. Um, and, um, it's been a real joy to come back to her. I mean, I, I, I can't really say much about it, but to come back to her in the YA anthology, um, that's coming out soon. Um, and tell her, tell another story for her and Rupert. Um, which is called Shield of the Jedi. Um, yes, I can't really, I can't really give anything away about what happens in that story, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I, I think you know, when, as soon as I, she came from concept art that the guys had already had done, um, of a like Republic citizen, um, and she, she had a, what looked like a, a hat, on the back. It was, you know, kind of on the on her shoulders was this mm-hmm. thing, and. You know, have, having heard later, the artist de- definitely thought it was probably a hat. But I looked at it and kind of went, "That could be a shield," and just <laughs> kind of tried to roll with that idea. And yeah. as soon as I kind of wrote her in um, Quest for the Hidden City, is like she has to be on, in Battle of Jeddah. I, you know, I really, really want to get Sandra in Battle of Jeddah. Um, and I and she's a she's a character I just want to keep coming back to because I can see the opportunity to tell more stories with her. Sure. So so that's. That's part one, and um, and that is in no way to diminish all the other characters I've been lucky enough to write because you know over I mean, in the myths and fables books to be able to touch on like um, Obi Wan and um, Darth Maul and Grievous, you know, it's it's a huge kind of honour to, to to be able to touch those characters. Um, 
and also the other High Republic um, characters that, that the, the team have, have written, you know, um, Buriaga, you know, he's, he's who doesn't he's love just, him? Who doesn't love he's him? He's a legend. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, um, in terms of characters, I'd I'd still like to write. I would love to get my hands on Sabine Wren. Um, nice. Okay. I, I I love Rebels. You know, I I mean, yes. I love all of Star Wars. Something about Rebels, and you know, we we were kind of talking about this before that, that idea of like you encounter different projects, films, TV shows at different times in your life, and mm. they have an impression on you. And Rebels, particularly for me, has a it's a it's a moment between me and my eldest where we were really enjoying Star Wars together. So aside from the fact I I, I love the show and the premise of the show. I loved the experience of watching the show, yeah. um, so it made it very special to me. And and in that within that show, I think Sabine's my favourite character. I just think she's cool. Um, so I can't wait to see how how she turns out in live action in the show. Yes, sounds like um, you and Michael need to get a have another drink and talk some Sabine uh, <laughs> Sabine books. I've got, <laughs> I've got plenty plenty of other High Republic stuff on at the moment. I, you know, we've announced two novels. Um, yes, so that's true. Yes, that's, yes. that's going to keep me busy. Your for plate's a while, pretty busy. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one day, one day. I, there you um, go. There you go. There you go. We'll let you be inspired by you know the Ahsoka series, and then take it from take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, that's awesome. So on my show, um, almost every single episode, I talk through what I call it my last current next. So it's the last book I read, what I'm currently reading, and what I'm planning on reading next. So I want to ask, I ask this of all my guests as well. So what has what is your last current next, George? Wow. Um, so the last book I read was um, an interesting nonfiction book called The Road. Um, and um, I'm trying to trying to remember the author's name christopher something christopher handley i think and it's um it's about roman roads in britain um so it's kind of it's looking at but it's 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 not as dry as it sounds as that sounds he, he takes <laughs> one one road that's been mostly forgotten and he tells the story of this road from roman times through to how it is these days um which is like um, part of it's tarmacked, part of it is a section of kind of bridle path where horses can walk, part of it's completely overgrown. Um, he talks about the history of roads and what they did for Britain. Um, so it's a fascinating journey through time, through the history of Britain, as told by this one section of road. So that was that was a, a great read. Um, currently, I'm reading a, um, a book called Blood and Bone um, by Ian Cameron Esselmont, which is a big I call them big fat fantasies. It's like a thousand page fantasy book um, from the the Malazan series. So um, Malazan was created by Ian Cameron Esselman and Stephen Erickson, his friend, um, as an RPG setting years and years and years ago for their own private use. And then Stephen Erickson wrote this epic 10 book series called the Malazan Book of the Fallen. And um, it's, in my eyes, the best fantasy ever written. Absolutely, like, it's superb. It's very dense, but it's superb. And Esselmont has now written a whole series of, of other books set in the same world, but he's doing his own thing with his own characters. Um, and that's one of those. Um, so that's, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying that, but it's, it's a, it's a long read. Um, <laughs> chipping away at that on my, um, on my Kindle. Um, my next book is actually sat next to me cause it's just arrived today and it's, um, the new James Bond. Um, oh. so, 
we had a oh uh, the special the one for the the coronation is that for the coronation yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard about so that. Um, so obviously on on His Majesty's Secret Service, um, and yes. it's written by Charlie Higson, who's um, a, a great writer and actor um, over here. Um, so I'm looking forward to. I, I, I love the James Bond novels um, and the films. So it's going to be a, a kind of a palate cleanser that one. It's quite short, but that's that's next on my list. Nice. I heard about that, and I was like, I've not, I've never read any James Bond novels, but um, I was like, I love. I mean, I'm a British culture like fan um and so obviously the coronation just happened when i heard that was going on i was like i gotta read that that sounds really fun so yeah, yeah. so i mean i don't really know anything about it other than um it was like new bond charlie higson buy it got um, it so i yeah i'm looking forward to that um and then lots of um lots of star wars to read as well you know i'm, I'm looking forward to all the other authors turning in their manuscripts for the next tranche of books so i can how um, exciting Yes. Sit and read those. Can't wait. So exciting. So exciting. Well, congrats on the on the new king. Um, I know all eyes were on you guys recently. So I my family was my kids, it was so funny because I my wife and I are huge, you know, obviously fans of the crown and we're just fascinated by, you know, the monarchy. And so we had it on, you know, on YouTube on, on our Saturday morning and really? They, they were so confused. They're like, "What is this?" I'm like, "This is history. It's, you are. We will watch this." Like, <laughs> it is. It's strange, isn't it? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge monarchist. Um, nor am I an outright Republican or anything like that. I'm kind sure, of like sure. half, half, halfway house, I think. Sure. Um, but so I didn't watch the whole kind of like seven hours or whatever it was. But right, I, right. I did watch the bit where you know he was um, he was actually crowned. Yeah. And you know she was crowned queen and um, yes. It was it's. I'm kind of watching it thinking this must seem entirely bonkers to the rest of the world. It's like <laughs> strange cultish behavior, you know, like where they took him behind four screens and took his shirt yes. off and anointed him with magical oil. And, yes. I'm just like, and then he, he puts on one glove and he has to hold a sword and then they take the sword off him and they yes. exchange some coins and then they give uh-huh. him the sword back. And it's like, yes. this is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I kind of love it. I love the. I like, do the too. I love just it. exactly the this the oddity of it and just the it's just it's history. Like it's history happening. It's so it's so interesting yeah. to me. And my kids are like, what? Why? Why did he put on a glove? And what is going on? I was like, well, they that he doesn't get to keep those things. Like just trying to explain <laughs> it to a eight year old. It's just like it makes yeah. the, it makes it seem more absurd than it actually. Like, yeah, you know. But I mean, it's 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 a proper spectacle. I I so I kind of love that side of it, but. I also like, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis where the price of food's yeah. going sky high. Um, price of like fuel is is super high, so all our energy bills are, are through the roof. And I kind of then look at that and kind of go, they've spent so much money mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, and like, surely they could have still done the important bit and saved some of that money and used it, and you know, to help people who need it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of that's why I'm kind of like in two minds about the the whole kind of the spectacle of it in some respects it's great and in other respects it's like maybe it wasn't the message we want to send the world right yeah. now when we you know, <laughs> yeah people living no, i agree i agree with that and i'm uh, you know we don't have to get into it too much but like william and kate are like my wife and i's age and like we're, we're raising kids in the same age as them so you know part of me is like um okay if william's going to be the one to end the monarchy maybe it'll be his maybe it'll be his son like like does the monarchy need to exist like having all these questions and obviously i have a very different perspective as an american but um yeah i can imagine that that tension feels a little bit different as a (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not on. You know, I don't think they should be abolished, but I also think we need to control that spending. And, yeah, for you know, sure, for sure. So it's yeah, we're getting into. Politics. We can do a separate episode about you know what our thoughts on the on the British monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so what well, we need is a it's a tabletop game about the British monarchy yeah. using lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> no, a quick, really funny story is I had ordered a I had pre ordered a Star Wars book from a UK retailer. I forgot what it was at the time. Oh no. I'm a big, my kids and I are big um, Tom Fletcher fans. So he's of McFly oh, and he yeah. writes all those kids books. So he writes like the dinosaur that pooped. I bought one of his books because they don't sell them in the US when they first come out over there. So I buy them right. from a UK retailer. And so I was like, oh, sweet. The new book finally came. I open it up and it's literally like, it's a hardcover. Ta- it's like a um, coffee table book about the queen. <laughs> like that's what oh, they really? sent me yeah and so uh, my son was like what is this and i was like i didn't order this um this is the wrong book but i don't hate it so <laughs> you know it was really funny it was so that's funny hilarious. um anyway <laughs> it, it, i guess it was just really on brand for this uk retailer to just <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well george as we wrap up can you um is there any other cons or signings that can um might be on the docket for you this year that people can catch you at yeah, um, so the, the the only one I kind of know 100% for sure right now is San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Um, so I'm coming out for San Diego. Um, I think we're going to be doing some sign-ins, um, both kind of uh, with the, the Dark Horse guys and the team for the for the comic and um, with the with hopefully with Lucasfilm some books. Um, so kind of watch social media and we'll announce more when we when we know it's, it's definite. But I'll, I, I will certainly be there. That's awesome. Well... It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and just chatting. And I feel like we could just keep going talking about tabletop games. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. When you have some um, other stuff coming out, you know, maybe later in the year. There's a little book coming out at the start of phase three that might be a bit later in the year. Yep. We'll definitely (laughs) definitely have you back and talk about all those things. So thank you again so much. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Casey, wasn't George a blast to talk to? I 100% agree. I cannot wait until the day when we can sit and play a tabletop game together and discuss Star Wars books. Um, I'm excited to have him on the show again in the future when his new books come out in the High Republic. (laughs) Me too, bud. I want to say thank you once again to my guest, George Mann, for joining me today. I hope you can go check out all of the books that he's currently been publishing um, in the Star Wars universe. He has written some really cool stuff. The Battle of Jeddah is one of them. The audio drama, um, which is, like he said, the linchpin of Phase 2. Really looking forward to what he has in store for us in the future. So I definitely look forward to having him on again in the future. That's it for today's episode. Thanks again for joining me. Take us out, Casey. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at thisdadreads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads, the podcast, is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time.